What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in today's video, we're gonna be doing something a little bit different. So this is a topic that I actually covered last year, you know, throughout the off season. And I thought it was an interesting kind of video concept. So, you know, normally I'm talking about a few players in a video, maybe talking about some strategy, but we're typically not covering like an entire position group. But in today's video, I'm gonna be talking about why you should draft every single running back. And by every single running back, I mean like, probably like the top 30 running backs. So the most fantasy relevant ones. So even players that I may not be super in on, maybe I dislike them at their current ADP. But if we're being honest, you know, every player has some value. Every player has some upside or, you know, some appeal to why you would want them on your roster. So I'm going to be focusing in on the positive today, just going through uh, underdogs ADP, top 30 running backs, talking about, you know, why you'd be drafting them at that price. If you enjoyed the video, do me a huge favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. And then I'll be going through the wide receivers tomorrow. But let's jump right into it. Starting off here with the number one running back, Jonathan Taylor. I feel like it's pretty clear why you'd be drafting JT. He was the RB1 for fantasy last year in his second NFL season. I think you could argue he has an offensive upgrade now with Matt Ryan coming in. And I really don't see why he can't like repeat, you know, his like 21 PPR point per game season that he had last year. So JT, you know, a solid guy to be going number one. The running back two, Christian McCaffrey, he's my number one running back. So obviously I am a big fan of him. And the reason why you're drafting Christian McCaffrey is he has the highest ceiling of any running back. He can legitimately average 30 points per game. I don't think there's any other running back who can touch that for fantasy football. He needs to stay on the field, but when he is on the field, I don't think anyone will argue that he is the best running back for fantasy. Like if preseason, you knew every player was playing a full 17 game season. I don't think there'd be one person who did not draft Christian McCaffrey at number one. So that is the appeal there with CMC. Next up, we have Austin Eckler. And for Eckler, you're kind of just hoping he has the same role he had last year, was a high-end running back one. He's going to get work on the ground and in the air. We know he's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL, so you like that. You like that this is going to be a high-scoring offense. And also, you know, I know they get a lot of hate for going for it on fourth down a lot. They followed the analytics, which obviously is, you know, normally going for it on fourth downs, whereas in years past, we've seen teams kick field goals or punt. And you may not like the strategy in terms of real-life NFL, but for fantasy, like if they're going to be going for it on fourth and goal a bunch, you know, You'd much rather have that for those weapons than them kicking like a field goal, obviously, unless you have like the uh, Chargers kicker. But Eckler, you're just hoping he returns a similar season to last year. Number four, we have Derrick Henry here, the fourth running back. And for Henry, you're kind of just banking on this consistency he's had when he is on the field. He just seems like a really solid bet to be like a 20 point per game guy. You know, he's going to be force fed the ball which can be a little bit, you know, concerning with the injury risk. But I mean, really the only injury problem he had was last year. He's going to have a massive workload. The dude is dominant on the ground. And with the Titans trading away AJ Brown, you know, they're going to be running this offense through Derrick Henry. Next up, Najee Harris had a super impressive rookie season. You're expecting him to build on it. He may lose a little bit of his workload, but I think he can actually improve in his efficiency. The Steelers offense last year was just so brutal. You know, they threw the ball a ton, but it was like low upside. I think they had one of the uh, lowest pass uh, yardage, you know, per attempt in the NFL. So I think Najee can improve on his efficiency 
and actually his touchdown upside, you still know he's going to be the workhorse of that offense. And there's a very, very valuable spot to have. Next up, it is Dalvin Cook. And you are drafting Cook because you basically know what you're getting out of him. He can be anywhere from a high-end RB1 to like a back-end RB1. You know he's going to be you know one of the most important weapons on this offense. It's Jefferson, it's Cook, it's Thielen. Those are the three guys. I also think there could be some newfound upside here in the receiving game. Over the last few years, you know, he's been involved as a receiver, but he hasn't really been fully kind of unleashed in that facet. I think they may be more pass heavy uh, this season with new head coach, you know, new coordinators. So I think he could see some increased work in the receiving game because he is one of their most talented weapons and you just want to be getting the ball in Delvin Cook's hands. Then we have Joe Mixon. And there really is a lot to like here with Mixon. He's going to be attached to one of the best offenses in the NFL. We saw him turn in a solid like mid-tier running back one season last year. They made massive, massive upgrades to the offensive line. So Joe Mixon is looking really solid and really safe for fantasy this season. Then we've got DeAndre Swift. And for Swift, the appeal here is definitely his receiving upside. Even though they've brought in new weapons, I still think DeAndre Swift is going to be very, very involved. He's just a really talented player. And I think what you'd be hoping for is he kind of tries to repeat his early 2021 season. His final, you know, point per game numbers didn't look insane. They were still very good, but I believe he got injured on Thanksgiving. I think it was against the Bears, but whatever game he had that injury, missed a few weeks, came back. He was very, very limited. So it kind of skewed his point per game numbers. But I mean, DeAndre Swift was a high-end RB1 through the first like 10 weeks of the season, something like that. So when he's getting, you know, the number one opportunities on that backfield, he is going to be a fantasy stud. For Aaron Jones, we are definitely hoping that he is getting that receiving upside. With Devontae Adams gone, you're looking at a wide receiver room with Christian Watson. You've got Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, like not a ton of elite options here. Honestly, not really any elite options. I think Aaron Jones could be Aaron Rodgers' like most trusted target. So if he's getting some work on the ground, but also getting put in the slot, you know, being utilized out of the backfield, I think he could have a very, very high ceiling for PPR scoring. So like Aaron Jones here, then we have Saquon Barkley. And for Saquon, I mean, you're just hoping the man stays healthy because when he is healthy, he is one of the best fantasy running backs in the NFL. 24 points per game as a rookie. That is very, very impressive. He is an elite receiving back, and we've already heard Brian Dable come out, talk about how he wants to use him more as a receiver. That should be music to Saquon Barkley owner's ears. So love Saquon as like a guy who has legit high-end running back one potential. Then we have a Leonard Fournette. I think Saquon and Lenny are both fantastic values, but you like Leonard, you know, kind of similar reasons you like Joe Mixon. Very strong offensive line. You're on a top offense. They're going to be scoring a lot. Brady loves to use his running backs in the receiving game. And I mean, Fournette was like a really solid receiver last year. And that was when they had Evans, Godwin, they had AB, they had Gronk. Now you're looking at this like weapons core. Gronk's retired. Brown has basically kicked himself out of the NFL. You have Chris Godwin coming off of an ACL. So you have Mike Evans, Russell Gage, Chris Godwin, maybe a few weeks into the season. Like I think Fournette will continue to be a very involved pass catcher. And I think that could give him like high-end RB1 upside. Then we have Alvin Kamara. 
Obviously the red flag here is the suspension, but other than the suspension, there's really nothing to dislike here with Kamara. Like if he wasn't suspended, I think you could argue him to be like RB3, RB4, RB5, somewhere in that range. Great pass catcher out of the backfield. The Saints O-line is solid. This offense is looking way better than it was last year. And you just feel confident that they're going to run this offense through him. And he's going to be a very solid piece of that unit. Then we have Nick Chubb. For Nick Chubb, you're a big fan of his security. If you're drafting him, you're confident he's going to finish somewhere between like a high-end RB2 to like a maybe low-end RB1, maybe mid-tier RB1 if he gets crazy lucky in the touchdown department. He truly is one of the best running backs in the NFL in terms of like a pure runner, not including like the receiving game blocking. Just as a runner, he could be the number one. Like you can make a very strong case that he is the best pure runner in the NFL. So Nick Chubb, that's why you're a fan of him. If you're drafting Javante Williams, you are buying into this Broncos offense. Obviously, Russell Wilson coming in, that is going to be big. And also, you know, I've been someone who may not be super high on Javante Williams this season, not against him as a player, but the upside here, right? Like looking on the positive side, you'd be betting on Javante Williams being this young up and coming running back. You think he's going to go out. He's going to beat out Melvin Gordon. And if he can get that clear cut RB1 role, I mean, really the sky is the limit here for Javante Williams. Then we've got James Conner. And for James Conner, you're just loving the opportunity that you can get a running back with a potential workhorse workload on a great offense going like back end of the third round, right? Like in games without Chase Edmonds, James Conner was just given an insane workload. So it's not crazy to assume they may just be going back to the well with that. They gave him a new, really solid contract. So love James Conner here. Then we have Ezekiel Elliott. And I know there are a lot of Zeke haters. There are a lot of big time Zeke fans. Looking on the positive side here with Zeke, you're looking at someone who may be kind of devalued this season because he played through an injury. I believe Zeke tore his PCL week four, week five, could have sat out, rested it. He didn't. He continued to play. His performance and his fantasy numbers obviously kind of suffered a little bit, but now he's going as the RB16. He's going in the fourth round. You know this Cowboys offense is going to be a solid unit. They lost some pass catchers. I think both Zeke and Pollard are going to be very involved in the receiving game, and I just think Zeke, with his contract, you know he's going to be one of the you know most utilized pieces in this offense, and I think getting him in the fourth round is really solid value. Now we have a little run here of these kind of younger running backs, and that starts off here with Travis Etienne. And for Etienne, you're kind of just buying this like empty upside, not empty in a negative way, just that like his ceiling really isn't capped because we haven't seen him operate out of this backfield, right? Like it's possible he could just be the total workhorse, be a receiving monster, and we just have not seen it yet. We know he has that connection with Trevor Lawrence from college. So I really like ETN here. And I've talked about this with uh, rookie running backs, rookie wide receivers. I'm kind of applying this to ETN because we just didn't see him last year, missed the entire year with injury, but they just have this untapped potential that you can kind of get at a value because, you know, we just don't really know what their floor or their ceiling is. So there's some risk, but I think it's definitely one I'm willing to take here with ETN. Then we have Cam Akers. And if you guys have been watching my videos, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Cam Akers at price, but I mean, I think it's very clear why you're drafting him. If you are drafting Cam Akers and he can regain that workhorse role for the Rams, 
I mean, you are getting an absolute steal because we know the Rams, you know, looking back at the last few seasons, they like to give one running back a really solid workload. We saw it last year. I don't think anyone really believes that Daryl Henderson is like some really solid running back, but he was a locked in, set it and forget it, fantasy RB1 last year. So if Cam Akers is back to himself after that Achilles injury, he honestly could end up being a steal going as the RB18. Then we have rookie running back Brees Hall. And this is honestly just a very similar argument to Travis Etienne. He has that untapped potential. He could be used as a workhorse from day one. We just do not know. In my opinion, I think Brees Hall is clearly the best running back in this backfield. People love to talk about Michael Carter. I am not seeing it. I think Brees Hall is better across the board. He may start off slow, but I think it's very possible at the end of the season. He is just a clear-cut workhorse in this offense. And I think if Zach Wilson can take a little bit of a jump, I really feel like this Jets offense could surprise some people. Now we're moving on in this next stretch to some veteran running backs. And we started off here with David Montgomery. I know the Bears do not have a flashy offense. They're probably not even going to be a good offense. But I think the way David Montgomery succeeds is just by getting a ton of volume. I think Justin Fields using his legs more could add something to this backfield. Just keep the defense, you know, on their toes a little bit more. You can't focus in on David Montgomery. So I think this is more of a volume play. He's likely not going to be a huge touchdown guy, but we've seen him be a solid fantasy option the last two seasons. If he can retain that role, I think he can slot in as a really nice running back two on your roster. For J.K. Dobbins, we are betting on his efficiency here in this fantastic Ravens rushing attack. We know that when J.K. Dobbins is given the ball, He's going for close to six yards a carry. He's going to be a touchdown threat. This Ravens offense is just very, very efficient on the ground. That's what you're betting on. You're hoping he starts to work in as like the clear-cut RB1 in years past. We've seen like a 1A, 1B situation here with the Ravens. If he can kind of get to like 15, 16 carries per game, then you're looking at someone who's approaching Nick Chubb territory, which is a really solid spot to be in. Then we have Josh Jacobs, and I think Josh Jacobs is an interesting player at price here. He's going in what looks like the early sixth round, RB22. There are some red flags here. We're not going to talk about that today, but I think the upside is that like Josh Jacobs, I think, is just a solid running back. He can do it on the ground. He is a very solid pass catcher. It's not something he's been heavily utilized in in the NFL so far, but he can totally do it. So with a new coaching staff, he has a little bit of like uncertainty here. This could be a committee, but this could also be a situation where they come in, they see he's the clear best running back in their room, and they're like, we're going to give him opportunities. I think this offense is going to surprise some people. I know they have Devontae Adams coming in. They're going to be a good unit. I just think some people are kind of sleeping on them just because their division is so stacked. They're going to have to keep up with the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers. They're going to have some big shootouts, and I think Josh Jacobs can give you some big performances especially if he can kind of get that goal line role, just create a well-rounded workload for himself. At RB23, we have Antonio Gibson. And I've talked about how I'm not a big fan of Antonio Gibson, but I think the reason why all of us have been fans of him is his profile is very solid. He's a very athletic running back. He has the workhorse build. He can catch passes. He can really do everything at the running back position. So I think the upside here for Antonio Gibson is he steps in, and he's just better than these other running backs. He should be better than Brian Robinson. He should be better than J.D. McKissick. And if he is, I think they'll give him that workload. 
that's kind of what you're aiming for with Gibson. For Elijah Mitchell, you're drafting him because you think he's going to keep that same role from last year, where he was basically getting all of the running back carries, even if Debo Samuel's getting carries, even if Trey Lance is getting goal line opportunities. If he can keep like 80% of the RB opportunities, he will be a very, very solid RB2 in your lineup. Now moving on to the RB3s, so RB25 and later, you've got A.J. Dillon. And what you like here with A.J. Dillon is he's going to give you week-to-week flex upside, playing alongside Aaron Jones. He's going to get some carries. I think if Aaron Jones plays out of the slot, that's obviously going to help A.J. Dillon during those opportunities. But both these running backs are going to be involved. They need playmakers. The running backs are some very reliable pieces on this offense. But if Aaron Jones happens to go down, I mean, A.J. Dillon just becomes like a, honestly, like a mid-tier RB1, right? If Aaron Jones goes down, like he could be a stud league winner if an injury happens. So he gives you that nice balance of a flex play, but then possesses this insane upside that you're probably not going to see from any other running backs besides Tony Pollard, who I'm going to get to later. Then we've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know a lot of people have felt burned by him, but when you were burned, you were drafting him first, second round. He's going at pick 78, so way, way later. And the reason why Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be a solid pick is that you look at that backfield, there's not a lot of competition. Like if he is the player, or even close to the player, that a lot of people were expecting when he got picked in the first round out of LSU, really solid you know, final season at LSU on that insane team. If he's the guy with that talent, he should easily beat out Ronald Jones. He should be the pass catching back. He should get early down work as well. I think he can phase Rojo out. There's just this thing when you're on these elite offenses, you don't want players who are unreliable. Ronald Jones is unreliable. We saw it with the Bucks. The Chiefs aren't going to be this, you know, run-heavy team that's going to let Rojo just cook on first down, cook on second down. That's where Rojo is best. You just let him be a pure runner. On these pass-heavy offenses, there's not a lot of opportunities for that. You need to catch passes and you need to block. Ronald Jones cannot do either of those things. So if CEH can beat him out, you're looking at like a potential RB1, you know, on one of the best offenses. And I think he can easily outperform this RB26 ADP. 27, we have Miles Sanders, another player who I think will lead their backfield, but is kind of, you know, it's a little murky, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire for Miles Sanders. He was the RB1 last year when he was healthy and pretty clearly the RB1. The problem is he was just insanely unlucky with touchdowns. I don't expect that to stick. I think this Eagles offense wants to run the ball a lot. I also think they're going to be a better unit adding A.J. Brown. So that's why you like Miles Sanders. I mentioned this player earlier, Tony Pollard. I think he's very similar to A.J. Dillon. I actually don't understand why there's such a discrepancy in their ADP, but he's going to give you flex value. I think he's going to be a solid receiving option for the Cowboys. Could potentially get some work out of the slot, kind of like I think Aaron Jones could get some opportunities. And then if Zeke goes down, I mean, RB1, basically, you know, once Zeke steps off the field, Tony Pollard is an RB1. Now we're getting close to the end of the top 30. Kenneth Walker here at 29. And for Kenneth Walker, you're looking for the upside of these rookie running backs. You have Rashad Penny on a one-year deal. If Walker can come in, you know, be as solid as Rashad Penny, you would expect them to give the nod to the younger guy, the player they're going to have, you know, for three more years. So he could get his opportunity that way. The other opportunity is that Rashad Penny is just a walking injury. 
So if Penny goes down, Walker could slot in, be the RB1 of this Seahawks offense. And then at 30, the final running back, Damian Harris. For Damian Harris, he's going to be, you know, the early down guy for the Patriots. Feel like he should have that spot locked up. He's someone who can get a lot of touchdowns, can give you some solid production, especially in like standard half point PPR leagues. So he's a guy that you can kind of trust in your lineups in solid matchups and can give you some boom games where he's going to score two, three touchdowns in one single game. But that's going to wrap it up for the top 30 running backs. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Like I said at the top, I'll be doing the top 30 wide receivers, why you should be drafting each player. That'll be coming out tomorrow. Thank you all for stopping by, staying throughout the entire video, and I'll see you guys in the next one.